today's first lectionary reading is from Psalm chapter 40, verses 1 to 11. And I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me and heard my cry for help. He brought me up from a desolate pit, out of the muddy clay, and set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear, and they will trust in the Lord. How happy is anyone who has put his trust in the Lord, and has not turned to the proud, or to those who run after lies. Lord my God, you have done many things. Your wondrous works and your plans for us, none can compare with you. If I were to report and speak of them, they are more than can be told. You do not delight in sacrifice and offering. You open my ears to listen. You do not ask for a whole burnt offering or a sin offering. Then I said, See, I have come in the scroll it is written about me. I delight to do your will, my God, and your instruction is deep within me. I proclaim righteousness in the great assembly. See, I do not keep my mouth closed, as you know, Lord. I did not hide your righteousness in my heart. I spoke about your faithfulness and salvation. I did not conceal your constant love and truth from the great assembly. Lord, you do not withhold your compassion from me. Your constant love and truth will always guard me. Today's second lectionary reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. Paul, called as an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, and Sothenes, our brother, to the church of God at Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called as saints, with all those in every place who call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God for you because of the grace of God given to you in Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in him in every way, in all speech and all knowledge. In this way, the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you so that you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end so that you will be blameless in the day of the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. You were called by him into fellowship with his son Jesus Christ our Lord. Lord, we we're excited to hear from your word. Um, it is life. It is truth. It's uh, it's the water that wells up within us. Um, it, it helps make sense of life. Um, it brings us back to center. Uh, it 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 reminds us of these truths that are 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 old and yet new, Lord God. So I pray um, that you would uh, you would you would speak that we would hear. Um, I pray, Lord, for soft hearts and for open ears. Amen. There was a, a viral video last year. Uh, I don't know if you remember. I, it's kind of hard to see. That's rather grainy. But um, it was of a sheep. That's a sheep stuck in a very narrow, um, what do you call it? A ditch. A crevice. It's more of a crevice than a ditch. 
Um, and then someone grabs one of the legs of the sheep, one of the back legs, and they pull, pull, pull on that sheep. And you think that they're going to pull the leg off, but eventually that sheep comes out and you, and then that sheep jumps and jumps and jumps, and you can feel the joy of that sheep until this moment where just a few meters down the crevice, it falls back into the crevice and it gets stuck again like within seconds it has two seconds of freedom and then it's in there again if you if you haven't seen it yet first of all where were you because we were all online last year and we had nothing to do but doom scroll through our social media um but uh, if you haven't watched it just watch just search ditch and sheep and that'll be one of the first things that shows up but i think that well first of all I saw it shared on so many people's social media over and over again. It was, it was hilarious in so many different forms. Sometimes it had music, uh, sometimes it was just, you know, the video. And I think one of the reasons for it being successful, other than it being ironic and funny, is because it's relatable, because we've all been the sheep. We've all, we look at that sheep out of the ditch, jump, 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 into the ditch, and we go, that's me. I am that sheep. Or, I know someone who is that sheep. We're on uh, week two of our, our series, our Epiphany series. It's called uh, New Year, Same Promises. And uh, we're working through year A of the Revised Common Lectionary. Uh, if you don't know what that is, you can look it up online. Last week, we started off by identifying some of the voices of God, some of the different voices of God that, that we got from the lectionary readings last week. And we learned to hear... The, the uh, voice of Yahweh, which is powerful. We learn to hear the affirming voice of the Father. We learn to hear the gentle voice of the servant. And we learn to hear the confident voice of Jesus. And we had those wonderful pauses at the beginning and the end of the services where we just sat in quiet for 75 seconds. And it was quite special. So now that we've started to learn to hear some of the different tones of God's voice, because of course, when you look at the Trinity, it's, it's all the same Trinitarian God, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So it's all the same God. But now that we've started to hear, you know, the different voices of God and to identify, we can now start to focus in on some of the promises. Um, we now know how he sounds. He sounds powerful. He sounds affirming. He sounds gentle. He sounds confident. Now that we know how he sounds, let's start to look at what he says. And this morning, we're focusing on this promise that, uh, that God can help us see things in a new way and say things in a new way. He helps us see things in a new way, and he helps us say things in a new way. So, our title this morning is See and Say in a Whole New Way. Let's say it all together. See and Say in a Whole New Way. That's what we're hoping to do this morning, is to learn how to see and say in a whole new way. So first of all, he gives us a new perspective. Because through lifting us up from the location where we were to the location where he wants us to be, so that we can see the landscape in a new way. And the second thing is he gives us a new song to sing so that we can say things in a whole new way. 
And this morning, we're going to be mainly focusing on the lectionary passage, Psalm 40, verses 1 through 11. So you can look that up in your Bible or on your app. So Psalm 41 through 11. Uh, but we're also going to have some commentary from another lectionary passage, which is uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. So we'll be mainly focused on Psalm 40, also looking a little bit at 1 Corinthians 1. And uh, so just like that sheep, let's get stuck in. Sorry. Had to say that. No groans. Nothing. I'll say it again. Just like that sheep, let's get stuck in. Thank you. He brought me up from a desolate pit, out of the muddy clay, and set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure. Now, I wonder, when you think of this pit, what does this pit look like for you? I know this verse ends with the rock, but it starts with a pit. And so I want you to close your eyes and I want you to imagine what that pit looks like for you. The psalmist describes it as a desolate pit and it's filled with muddy clay. What does that look like? What does it smell like? What does it sound like? What what does it feel like? It's a lonely place. It's not a place that's filled with companions or friends. It's not a shared experience. This is a lonely place. It's it's a desolate place. It's far from loved ones. You see, when you're in a pit, and you can open your eyes now if you've had them closed, when you're in a pit, either a mental pit or an emotional pit or a psychological pit or a relational pit or a physical pit, by by, by the very nature of that experience, it's a lonely time. It's isolating, or in the words of the psalmist, it is desolate. You would say in the pit, well, no one understands. However well-meaning people are, they don't know what this pit is, ex- is like. Not exactly. And, th- and that's absolutely true. And this pit is also slippery. It's filled with muddy clay. It's hard to get a purchase when you're standing on muddy clay. Nothing is sure. And your shoes are bogged down with the added weight of the clay as you slip and slide around. When I ran the, when I ran the mud run, I know I've mentioned this uh, not that long ago, but when I ran the mud run a few years ago, you know, I don't do it enough, so I have to make sure you know I once ran the mud run. Because <laughs> I, was, I was impressed. But when I ran the mud run, um, I stopped to help a fellow runner. And uh, she was literally stuck in a pit full of clay and water. And so I went down. And so as I went down to help her, uh, my feet did not feel secure at all because I was on muddy clay. And my feet were heavy and it was slippery. And eventually, by climbing down, I got her out. But in the process of being in the pit with her, I discovered that mud makes everything more difficult by a factor of a lot. Nothing's easy. You're flexing muscles that you didn't realize you had as you're trying to keep upright. And in Psalm 40, the psalmist gives a picture of someone who's weighed down, who is stuck, who has no certain footing, and who is alone. You see, friends, it's only when you engage with the reality of the pit that you can then rejoice in the rescue. He brought me up from a desolate pit, out of the muddy clay, 
and set my feet on a rock, making my feet secure. You know, Christ, he lifts you from slipping to security. Christ lifts you from muddy clay to a rock. In other words, when you allow Jesus to help you, you see things in a new way. You are not where you were. You're seeing things in a new way because you've been relocated. And so as I picture this scene, I see Jesus lifting a helpless, burdened individual from a place that's below ground level up to a place that is above ground level. And I believe that from this rock, the newly rescued person can look back down into the pit where they were just imprisoned. And so they see the same scene, but they see it from a new perspective. They see life in a new way. And that pit, that pit that was all that they knew, that was the totality of their experience, is now just one feature in a vast landscape. It's still there. The the pit still exists. It's still visible, but it doesn't define who you are anymore. Because as Christ rescues you, you see things in a different way. You see things in a new way. And as many of you can see this morning, that as you're standing on the rock of Christ, you can still see the pit where you were. It's still there. It's not vanished. You can still recall the feelings, the emotions. They aren't vanished from the landscape. But now you see them in perspective. You know now that Jesus is everything that you need, that he is the rescuer, he is the rock, he is the saviour, he is the lifter, he is the grand relocator. In the words of Jennifer uh, Warnes and Joe Cocker, love lift us up where what? We love lift us up where we belong. Juliana knows it. Love lift us up where we belong. Someone harmonize with me. Where the eagles fly. No, you don't have to harmonize. It's okay. <laughs> but that song identifies something helpful for us if we believe in Christ. Is that Christ lifts you to the place where you actually belong. You don't belong in the pit. You belong on the rock. You were not created to live in a pit. And once Christ helps you see things in a new way, he then helps you say things in a new way. Psalm 40 verse 3 says this, He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and they will trust in the Lord. L.E. Acuff in the book Your New Playlist, she asks these questions. She says, do you know why you think every thought that you have is true? Okay, listen to those words. Do you know why you think that every thought that you have is true? Do you know why you're so quick to trust them, your own thoughts? Do you know um, why they've been playing for years? Why this playlist has been playing for years without you even noticing? And then she answers the question. She says, because your thoughts sound like you. Have you ever realized that? L.E.A. Cuff says. And then she goes on to say this, the soundtracks you listen to, even the ones that are really broken and are obviously lies, are delivered in your own voice. It sounds familiar and trustworthy because it's in the voice that you've heard most of your entire life. Your own. But here's the good news. 
When Jesus rescues you, he, he gives you a new playlist to replace that tired, old, worn one that you've heard all of your life. It's Christ who puts the new song in your mouth, which means it's no longer your voice that you're hearing, it's Christ's voice that you're hearing. The song is from him. The song is from Jesus, which reminds me of the little mermaid. Right? Ariel makes a deal with the devil, or at least a deal with Ursula the sea witch. She finds herself in a pit, as it were, created by Ursula. It's not an actual pit, but it's a metaphorical pit. What Ariel thought would bring her joy and freedom has led to her imprisonment. She's in a pit, not a physical pit, but no less real. And to make things worse, she's traded away her voice. She's lost her song to the one who trapped her. And as far as she knows, this is her life forever. She's in a pit and she has no song. But then in a climactic scene in the movie, Prince Eric comes along and he rescues Ariel by impaling Ursula with the wooden bowsprit of a ship. And Ariel gets her voice back. And in the same way, Prince Jesus turned the wooden cross that he was crucified with into a wooden stake that he then impaled Satan on. And in doing so, he rescued us from the pit that Satan had created. His power is broken. Satan's power is broken. And it says we're rescued from the pit that we find our voice again. In fact, we, we don't just rediscover our old songs. We get a new song. You know, Prince Eric, he did a decent job. He gave Ariel back her song. But Jesus goes one even better. And Prince Jesus gives us a brand new song. Amen. When we're rescued by Christ from the pit, we say things in a new way. And we say things in a new way because our soundtrack, our playlist has been changed. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's what the Bible says. And the rescued heart overflows in new songs placed there by Jesus himself. And so I wonder, what new songs has Jesus given you? Have you ever thought of even practicing singing a new song you know over this past week I've uh, in fact this morning I just had on some worship music one of those kind of soaking things that lasts for an hour it's just like a drone in the background but it's worship music and I just walked around here and I had a psalm in front of me and I sang it and I prayed and I sung it and I prayed and I walked up and down and I imagined each of you in your pews and I named you and I sang prayers I've never done it before but I sang what I knew of your situations I just sang praise and I sang worship for maybe half an hour maybe 45 minutes and it was just glorious so I don't know what a new song literally means in the Bible but I experienced that this morning um, in a new way it was a new song and I and I plan to do it again when there's no one around it's a bit embarrassing if someone else is here Listen to these words from our other lectionary passage. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 4 says this, I always thank my God for you because of the grace of God given to you in Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in him in every way, in all speech and in all knowledge. We are enriched in God through Christ in every way, which includes all speech and all knowledge. What we hear or what happens in here changes what comes out of here. 
And so in Christ, we're promised a new location. We're promised a new song. We see things in a new way. We say things in a new way. This is our promise in Christ. A new location and a new song. A new perspective and a new playlist. And I know that some of you this morning really desperately need this. You need a new location. You need a new perspective. And you need a new playlist. And you know that you need this. Maybe right now all that you can see around you is muddy clay. Walls. It's slippy. In your sin or your brokenness. And you want out, but we don't know how. So how do we access this new perspective and this new playlist? Verse 1 of Psalm 40 gives us the key. This is what you do. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me, and he heard my cry for help. Now, not to be reductionist or simplistic, but it seems to me that verse 2 and verse 3 of Psalm 40 flow on from verse 1 of Psalm 40, right? It seems to me like this is a cause and effect. One thing happens that leads to another thing happening. And it seems to me that the effect of of seeing and saying things in, in a new way is a direct result of this first cause of waiting patiently for the Lord and crying to him for help. Waiting patiently and crying to God for help leads to God bringing the psalmist out of the pit, giving him or her a new place to stand. Well, it's him, we know it's David, but you, you know, if you're a man or you're a woman, as you you wait and you cry, he lifts you out of the pit, he gives you a new place to stand, and he puts a new song in your mouth. And it starts with waiting patiently for the Lord. Ooh, that's hard. Waiting patiently for the Lord. No one wants to do that. We're okay with the crying bit, but the waiting patiently, that's tough. But what this means for us, friends, is that um, we don't know when that help's going to arrive. We don't know, or even the rescue's on its way, we don't know when it will happen. We, it, it might not be immediate. Maybe there are lessons that God wants us to learn that we will not experience unless we experience the pit for a while. And that, those are hard words to hear. Maybe God wants to mature us. Maybe God wants us to know what the pit is like so that later he can use our testimony to rescue or encourage others who are in the pit. I don't know. But what's clear is that the only way out of the pit is to wait patiently for the Lord. But of course, this doesn't mean that we're passive. We're not fatalistic. We're not saying, well, if the Lord wills it, he will rescue us. That's not what I'm saying at all. Because like the psalmist, we cry out, we call. We're not passive waiting. We're calling out. We're crying for help. And when God hears the voice of someone crying for help, it tells us in Psalm 40 verse 1 that he he turns around. He turns. When in What that means is that when God hears you call, you have his attention. He turns to you. And I know that, you know, especially for people who were raised in church, when you talk about crying out to God for help and being in a pit, you can maybe think, well, I shouldn't be in a pit. If I'm in a pit, then it means that I'm a failure. But Paul, in our 1 Corinthians 1 passage, 
makes it clear that the only way for anyone to be in a relationship with God is to call out to him. It's not a sign of failure, it's a sign of humanity. Paul says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God at Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called as saints, with all those in every place who call on the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. But the the line that I want to draw your attention to is this, with all those in every place who call on the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. No one can be in relationship with Christ unless you call out to him. So it's the very act of crying for help, of calling on the name of Jesus, that forms the only way to enter into his family. Then you are the sanctified, then you are the church, then you are the called. In other words, crying out to God should be viewed as par for the course of the Christian life. There is no other way to live life in Jesus other than to call on him for help. And so when you call out to Jesus from the bottom of the pit, it doesn't make you weird or strange or a particular failure. It makes you human. It makes you normal. And that leads me to our final point. If you need Jesus this morning, then just whisper to him. Just say help. Just call out to him. Cry out to him for help. Because my final point this morning is that being rescued from the pit is not a one-time deal. It's not like once you're out of the pit, then if you fall back in the pit, then you're done. You're a failure. How do I know this? How do I know that being rescued from the pit, according to Psalm 40, is not a one-time deal? Because the rest of Psalm 40 from verse 9 to 17 is all about the psalmist being back in the pit. Verse 1 through 9 is the psalmist reflect is is reflecting on God saving him the first time but then 10 through 17 is clearly the psalmist being back in the pit and he's calling out to God again so the whole of Psalm 40 is written not from the rock it's written from the pit and verse 17 which isn't on the screen but it actually shows us how desperate the psalmist this is how the psalm ends I am oppressed and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my helper and my deliverer, my God. Do not delay. I am oppressed and needy. That's how the psalm ends. And so you see here that David is back in that place where he must A, be patient, and B, cry out for help. In other words, he needs God to bring him up out of the pit once again, out of the muddy clay once again, to place him on a rock once again, and to give him a new song once again. And I hope this is encouraging to us. Because what it shows us is that in some way, the normal Christian life is one of falling into pits and then allowing Jesus to lift you out again. For me, I know what my pits are. I know where I fall into the pit over and over again, and I still fall into them sometimes. And I need Jesus, actually, more often than I would like. Let's be honest, right? And I need Jesus to rescue me from that pit again. And so today, I don't know whether you're in a pit or whether you're on the rock, but you're probably in one of those locations. And if you are in the pit, then I don't know whose fault it is. 
You see, Scripture actually outlines, outlines a few reasons why we might be in a pit. Most often, I think it's fair to say, we're in a pit because it's our fault. Right? See, it says in Psalm 7, it says, See, the wicked one is pregnant with evil, conceives trouble, and gives birth to deceit. He, he dug a pit and hollowed it out, but fell into the hole he had made. His trouble came back, comes back on his own head. His own violence comes down on the top of his head. This is mostly what happens. This is mostly why we end up in the pit. So are you in a pit of your own making this morning? But sometimes it's through no fault of our own. Sometimes it's someone else's fault. Lamentations 3 says this. Uh, For no reason my enemies hunted me like a bird. They smothered my life in a pit and threw stones on me. Water flooded over my head and I thought, I'm going to die. I called on your name, Lord, from the depths of the pit. You heard my plea. Do not ignore my cry for relief. You came near whenever I called you. You said, do not be afraid. Are enemies hunting you? Are they trapping you? Are they too strong for you? Have your enemies outmaneuvered you so that you're in the pit again? If so, it's not your fault, but you're there. So call on the name of the Lord and wait patiently. Sometimes falling in a pit is a group effort, right? Matthew 15 verse 2 says this. Then the disciples came up and told him, Do you know that the Pharisees took offense when they heard what you said? He replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father didn't plant will be uprooted. Leave them alone. Here it is. They are blind guides. And if the blind leads the blind, then both will fall into a pit. Sometimes you're in a pit because you're listening to the wrong people and you're following the wrong crowd. It's a group effort. Other times it's a bit more complicated, a bit more complex. Listen to Psalm 38 and the different players who are involved in the psalmist being on the verge of falling into the pit. He's not there yet, but he's on the verge. Who's involved in this? Now, Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. Rescue me from all my transgressions. It's his fault. Do not make me the taunt of fools. It's their fault. I am speechless. I do not open my mouth because of what you have done. It's God's fault. Remove your torment from me. So sometimes it's a bit more complex. It's not as simple as we like to make it out. And it's true, right? I fall into the pit because of my own sinful choices. And God allows me to be in the pit to teach me a lesson maybe. But then Satan knows exactly how to keep me down by taunting and tormenting me. So whether you're in the pit because of your own doing or because of an attack from enemies or because you fall into a pit because of a group decision or whether the reasons are a bit more complex, the reality is that you're in a pit, which means the only question for you isn't to whinge and whine about why you're there, but to ask the question, what do I do now? And just like the psalmist in verse 17 of verse 40, right at the end of that psalm, if you find yourself once again in the pit, the answer is to practice verse 1. In other words, when you find yourself in verse 17 of Psalm 40, practice verse 1 of Psalm 40. Cry out and wait. It worked last time. It will work again. This formula does not stop being effective it doesn't wear out. This, 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 this system hasn't been upgraded by a new one in the thousands of years since it was first written. What worked for David in verse 1 will work for David in verse 17, and it will work for you in 2023 or whenever you're listening to this. 
Call out and wait because God is on his way. And the incredible thing is that the good news doesn't even end there. He brought me up from a desolate pit, out of the muddy clay, set my feet on a rock, making my feet secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and they will trust in the Lord. In other words, calling and waiting on God leads to a life of testimony that then creates faith in others. As we sing new songs from God, our hymns of praise, others hear us from their pits and they start calling out to God and patiently waiting for him to rescue them. A life that, testifo- that testifies to, the, you know, to God's goodness and God's saving power is contagious. In other words, when you're out of the pit, tell your story. People don't need to hear stories of unblemished saints climbing mountains, or they don't need to hear stories of saints living on the plateau of sinless perfection. That's not what people need to hear. People need to hear about the art of getting out of pits. A life that shows other, others how to get out of the pit is the life that testifies to the goodness of God. Unfortunately, some people, they pretend that pits don't exist. They're living in victory. And this helps nobody and it fools nobody. On the other end of the spectrum, there are some people who spend their lives wallowing in their pit and they tell others that there's no way out, that there is no other existence. The pit is all that there is. Because they've created their identity in the pit. They've got used to the, you know, the clay and the mud and the walls. They now are the pit and the pit is them. They are the pit dwellers. We heard about you know, the people who are the pit deniers. Now we hear about the people who, who are the pit dwellers. And again, this helps nobody. Being a pit dweller or a, or a, or a, or a denier does no one any good. But what God calls us to is to be a pit escape artist. In fact, a habitual pit escape artist of calling and waiting, of patience and pleading when we're in the pit, of trusting in the goodness and the grace of Jesus once again. And then when he lifts us to our new place, we rejoice in that new location because we view life out there and it's changed. And we sing a new song to him because our life in here has changed. And our friends and our family see our new perspective because we tell them they, don't, they can't read our minds. We have to tell them our new perspective. And then they hear our new song because we cannot keep it in. And this is the life that results in the glory of God. Because other people need to hear your story. And one of those other people that needs to hear your story is you. Because when you fall back in the pit, you need to remember the story that you recently told about being on the rock. And so we call out and we wait. And then when God restores us and he gives us a new song, we tell others. And then one day, God willing, as we look back at the span of our lives, we will see that we've been spending increasingly more time on the rock than in the pit.